It's like we, I had a sense of like, oh, we need to have about this much money in October so that we have enough money until March. And so it was just kind of like, it just kept getting, the numbers just kept getting a little bit, a little bit bigger. And then the staff size that we needed just got a little bit, a little bit bigger, but really the stress um, was what made me say, I, I really came to the point, I was like, I will commit to doing this for one more year, but I can't keep doing it like this. So let's have one year where we try anything new to help our business be less stressful. Welcome to Behind the Stays, a podcast that shares the stories behind your favorite Airbnbs and the hosts who've made them memorable. Behind the Stays is brought to you by Sponstaneous, a free weekly newsletter that brings you a carefully curated list of last-minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. Sign up at Sponstaneous.com. I'm your host, Zach Cruz. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody, Zach here. Quick question before we dive into today's chat. So are you ever scrolling on Instagram and you see these like ridiculously beautiful Airbnbs that look like they're fresh out of a dwell or restoration of hardware magazine? And have you ever wondered to yourself, like, how the heck are these hosts able to afford to furnish their spaces so elegantly? Well, I wondered this too, until I found out that there's actually a secret that many of the best Airbnb hosts know that enable them to buy things like West Elm media consoles, crate and barrel couches, and parachute sheets at prices that you just really can't get anywhere else. And that secret? Well, it's Minoan, a completely free platform to purchase everything that you need for your short-term rental. If you have more than one short-term rental, chances are that you use some sort of system for your property management, right? Whether it's like a guestie or an uplisting. Well, Minoan is the system that hosts use for furnishing and refreshing their homes. Minoan provides hosts with a one-stop shop to get hundreds of discounts on the world's leading brands and a system where you can manage all of the ordering, all of the tracking, all of the returns, et cetera, in one place, which obviously just saves you a lot of time and money. Oh, and the best part, again, is that Minoan is totally free. Like, no membership fees, no annual dues, nada. Like, it's almost too good to be true, except for the fact that, well, it is true. <laughs> and if you thought Minoan couldn't get any better, well, that's actually where you would be wrong. So I want you to stay tuned for more info in just about 15 minutes from now that'll make you want to sign up for Minoan the minute this episode is over. All right, so stay tuned in just a few minutes and hear a little bit more about why you want to sign up for your free, totally free Minoan account the minute this podcast is over. In just a moment, you'll meet Amy Dorson from Red River Gorgeous, a collection of unique cabins, tree houses, and Instagram famous cliff houses in Kentucky's Red River Gorge. Growing up, Amy wanted to be a doctor, so she spent a lot of her time studying as she was determined to go to medical school. But after a series of adventurous and serendipitous events, Amy fell in love with carpentry and decided to exchange her dreams of becoming a doctor with a new dream to become a builder. When Amy met her husband, Aaron, his family owned a few cabins in the Nada Tunnel Road in the heart of the gorge. The business, if you could call it that, was hanging on by a little more than a wing and a prayer. As Amy saw it, the couple had two options, let the family business run its course, or adopt a new vision of building a collection of unique stays that would introduce the world to the geological wonders of the gorge that she had fallen in love with. The couple chose the latter. 
Tune in to hear how Amy transformed a side hustle family business into a thriving hospitality brand, how she strategically partnered with folks like Canopy Crew to build one-of-a-kind tree houses, how she's built the right team to support the company's growth, and her vision for the future of travel and hospitality. All right, without further ado, get ready to meet Amy. All right, Amy, we did it. We did it. We we found a time where we could both <laughs> sit down for a podcast interview. It's amazing. Yes, thank you for your patience and perseverance, Zach. Those are two important qualities for lots of things. <laughs> <laughs> and then thank you, thank you. It's just been uh, it's it's been you're you're doing so many different things. And then I had a kid, and it's just been a lot. It's been a cluster, but uh, super super uh, thrilled and and really just honored to get the opportunity to talk to you. I've followed you guys on Instagram for a while. I have seen all of my favorite influencers talk about you guys and post about you guys. And so, and actually, um, the the reason we, we're even connected is because several of the folks that listen to this podcast have been like, hey, you've got to get the folks behind Red River Gorgeous on the show. So I am just pumped for our chat today. And thanks so much for making the time. Thank you. Those are very warm compliments to begin a, a discussion with you. So I'm glad to glad to talk to you more. Great. Well, I want to dive right into the heart of it. So I'd like for yeah. you to take us back to the beginning. Like where where does the story of Red River Gorge begin? Where, wherever that wherever that sort of like moment of of starting, whatever that means to you, take take us to that moment and then give us some of the highlights of of what the journey has been like so far. Yeah, I'd be glad to. Thank you for asking. Um, the real genesis of Red River Gorgeous was back in 1994. Okay. So pre Airbnb, really pre, um, glitzy websites and easy booking engines. <laughs> and, uh, it, yeah, so it was my husband's, um, dad and a grandfather and two other uncles that uh, built four small cabins in the gorge and they hired a local caretaker and then ran it from Cincinnati. Okay. And the business hobbled along for about 15 to 18 years, really barely meeting its expenses. Okay. So the family basically kept it because they knew that they liked coming down to the gorge. So I would say that it started with a genuine interest in the location. Yeah. Even though it didn't really have a sustainable business model or habit at that point that would really generate enough income for it to be anybody's livelihood yeah. other than just, you know, paying for the cabins that were constructed. Um so then my husband, um he was one of their three children, he had a genuine interest in wooden boat building, okay. which is not exactly cabin and treehouse building, but it is building. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so he went to a wooden boat building school and then went to college. I was doing other things in Ohio and became a carpenter for straw bale houses. I was okay. focusing on straw bale houses. And then uh, the two of us were introduced. And to be honest, I don't think that either of us really at all had much focus on actually starting a business or at least a short-term rental business. Yeah. Um, we both knew that we liked building things. Uh, we liked being outside and we liked the fact that we could do those things together. Um, and I didn't really know that not paying yourself in your business is called reinvesting in your business. It was <laughs> right. You can, you can call it either things. You could say we're, we have enough money to eat and do the things that we like together, 
Or you can say, oh, I'm not paying myself out of my business right now so that my business has enough money to build more cabins and tree houses. Yeah. Um, but at any rate, <laughs> we, we did that for about five or seven years together and had baby number one and two. And then at around eight to 12 structures that we were managing. Yeah. Um, it really became, a, it, we got it. We started getting into a stress squeeze okay. where it was either like, we're gonna continue losing our minds or we're gonna need to qualitatively change what we're doing. We hmm. can't just keep building more structures. There has to be some other solution. And, and um, sorry, Amy, real fast at that, yeah, at please. that juncture, like had you guys developed sort of a, a business plan? Like, had you figured out, okay, Hey, this is the kind of person that wants to come to these structures. Like this is what, you know, we, we need to be booked X percentage of the month in order to make ends meet. Like, had you guys done that work yet or no? No, Okay. <laughs> no, I, we, we, from what, what we had, what we had was, um, we identified pretty early on that I was a better one than my husband at paying the bills on time. Okay. And it's like, we just kept, I don't usually use the, the phrase leveling up, but it's like we, we, we had, it was like, um, it's like, if you always baked bread, you kind of know like, oh, the bread's going to rise this much. And then you need to do this step next. And then you're going to bake it two days later. It's like we, I had a sense of like, oh, we need to have about this much money in October so yeah. that we have enough money until March. And so it was just kind of like, it just kept getting, the numbers just kept getting a little bit, a little bit bigger. And then the staff size that we needed just got a little bit, a little bit bigger, but really the stress, yeah. um, was what made me say, I, I really came to the point, I was like, I will commit to doing this for one more year, Yeah, but I can't keep doing it like this. So let's have one year where we try anything new to help our business be less stressful yeah. than we can think of. And um, for me, it was uh, a friend recommended listening to the book E-Myth, okay. or reading the book, but I, I listen to audiobooks when I walk, so I listen to it. So I listened to the book E-Myth, and I can go into the content of that if you want. But I listened to yeah. Emith, and then Emith led me to um, learn about EOS, which is stands for the op, uh, excuse me, Entrepreneurial Operating System. Okay. And that was really, and I can explain why I was attracted to that if you want. But yeah. th that EOS was really what I sunk my teeth into, and I said, okay, I'm going to hang on here for dear life. I think we do have a have a business here, not just a collection of hobbies anymore. And I'm going to learn how to run a business. So it was about a two-year process, but but now it feels like we have a business. I understand um, how to work on the business instead of just in the business. Yeah. And um, we're on the brink of um, onboarding a general manager at the end of next month. Wow. So then this is really the first opportunity where we're having really in 10 years to stop and say, okay, how do we want to participate in our business? Or wow. how do we want our family to look? Because we had to go through, um, you know, the phases beforehand to get to this. But it really feels like now I have some choices again. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That there. Oh, there's so much to unpack there, Amy. Ah, this is this is. I'm I'm just excited. I'm just I'm just smiling um, from ear to ear because there's there's so much here. All right, friends, it's me again with just a wee bit more info about our friends at 
Minoan. So in addition to providing hosts with a completely free system to help streamline furnishing and granting hosts access to hundreds of discounts on the world's leading brands, Minoan also enables hosts to make their homes shoppable in a way that's subtle and also sophisticated. So here's an example of how this works. Let's say a guest sends you a message remarking how well they slept during their stay. And they ask, you know, what kind of mattress was in the master bedroom? Because when they get home, they want to buy a new mattress because, again, they had just such a beautiful night's sleep, right? Well, as it turns out, it was a purple mattress that you had ordered via Minoan when you were furnishing your home. Well, if that guest does go and buy a purple mattress, Minoan thinks that you should get a cut of that sale, right? After all, it was a great night's sleep on your mattress that convinced this guest that they had to have the same one. So Minoan's technology enables hosts to earn commissions on everything from mattresses to coffee makers and soaps to sofas. You can save on high-end furnishings upfront, and then if you want, you have the ability to earn cash money whenever your guests buy the products that they fell in love with while they were staying at your vacation rental. So again, you don't have to do this, right? You can just use Minoan to buy these incredible, glorious furnishings for your home. You don't also have to make your home shoppable, but if you want to do that, Minoan provides a really easy, simple way to do this that does not you know, disturb guest experience. It's not like there's like price tags on everything, right? Like it's a very subtle, very sophisticated, kind of like one little QR code uh, that you can post anywhere in your in your home and folks can go in and, and explore the, um, the furnishings uh, around your space just by quickly scanning that, that QR code. You could throw it in your, you know, on your kitchen sink, near your kitchen sink, or you could put it, you know, near, uh, near the guest bedroom, whatever it might be, right? Um, so I want you to take a moment right after this conversation, or you could pause the episode and do this right now. And I want you to sign up for a free account at MinoanExperience.com. Please, please, please tell the folks there that Zach from Behind the Stays sent you their way. Just head on over to Minoan. That's M-I-N-O-A-N, experience.com. And again, be sure to tell them that Zach from Behind the Stays sent you their way. Thanks, guys. Really, really appreciate you taking some time to check out Minoan. And let me know what you think about their offerings. Do I do want to hear a little bit about like Emith and, and EOS and, and in particular, like give us give us sort of a, a, the quick little skinny on, on what the book was about. And then also yeah. sort of this this model. And then I'm, I'm more interested in hearing like what about it really spoke to you. Yeah, no, that's great. OK, um, I'm sorry. I don't remember the name of the author for the E-Myth right now, but it's a quite popular book. Folks should be able to find it. Um, the E-Myth, the quick and dirty summary would be that this book is written for small or beginning entrepreneurs who have had what the book calls an entrepreneurial seizure where you suddenly decide you're going to start a business because this is a great idea and you love what you do and then you're good at it and you work hard so that you create more of the work but until you stop and say to yourself wait the format has to change as it gets bigger you end up just often not always but often being in kind of a a muddled mess of stress rather than (laughs) having time, right? Having the time to say, I should work on my business, not only in my business. So it becomes that creating the business becomes your main task instead of making or fashioning the widget or the service that you're, you initially went into. Yeah. Um, so that was e-myth. And then, um, And it's a wonderful book. The author was a poet, and I think it shows because there are a lot of emotions that can be elicited and soothed during reading it for me, at least. (laughs) Um, And then EOS, Entrepreneurial Operating System, it's a a way you could run businesses or organizations or even a family 
one's life off of it, really. It comes down to identifying six key aspects of an organization that I call them the EOS worksheets, but in each of the six key areas, EOS suggests ways to watch, understand, analyze, improve. And those, I made up those words, but that's what I think it does. Yeah. It, it, it teaches you how to think about each of the six areas and kind of modulate or improve each one independently, which to me sometimes feels like it's given me handles on my business where instead of feeling like the whole thing is out of control, I can say, Oh wait, what it is is that I haven't hired people very well. Hmm. And specifically when I'm hiring them, I'm not giving them a very good job description. So instead of feeling overwhelmed about the whole thing, I can say, okay, what I really need to do, the issue at heart here is that I'm not writing a good job description. Let me try that. Let me try fixing this one thing and giving it six months and then seeing how we're doing. Yeah. Um, and the reason that EOS appealed to me, to be completely honest, and this is a very important reason I'm, or uh, question I'm glad you asked, is because in EOS, when I was listening to the first two books, which I would recommend starting with What the Heck is EOS? Okay. And then Traction. Um, Traction was the main Genesis book, and it was written by a man named Gino Wickman. Okay. But if people start there, When I listened to the books, not only was I like, oh my gosh, these are my problems. So I kind of saw myself or ourselves, but EOS also includes things like suggestions for clarity breaks, Hmm. limiting your work, defining, and then limiting your work container. Hmm. How many hours per day, days per week, days per year is the right amount for you to work. Hmm. Um, It also doesn't define a successful business as a business that's growing at a certain rate or making it to a certain number of figures on the bottom of a balance sheet or profit loss. What it says first and foremost is define what you want your business to do for your life. Hmm. Hmm. And so those things to me smelled of like a deeper level of caring and success that I want in my life rather than like, Oh, I own a business that does this. Yeah. Like I want to own a business that does this and this and this for me and my family, for my community, for the planet, for yeah. these reasons. Yeah. So I liked that EOS um, let me, encouraged me to go inside of myself and ask myself the very important question, like, why am I doing this Yeah. first? So I'm sorry if that was too long. No, an that answer, was, that was wonderful. Was Honestly, no, no, that, that was, that was perfect. That was great, Amy. So okay. I, I uh, just, the natural follow-up is like, okay, so what changes did you make? Like what, after, yeah. after being inspired, <laughs> right? After, after like learning these frameworks, after yeah. understanding a little bit more about how to, how to package all of this, right? How, how to define what success meant for you and your family? Like what, what specific mm-hmm. changes did you make within the context of, of the business? Great question. Um, I'll just, there's, there's many, but I'll just name the first three or four that come to mind. Uh, the first one really was working on the business instead of in the business, because it was a process. It was kind of a grieving process for me, actually, when I stopped working on the construction crew with my husband and started as general manager, you know, we didn't really even have that title. So it was suddenly like, okay, I'm going to be general manager. Everybody okay with that? <laughs> they, they were all like, yeah, sure. We have no idea what that means, but yeah, yeah. you do that. That yeah. sounds like a good idea. Um, so I was sad at first to change my role, but yeah. then as I gained 
kind of self-confidence and enjoyment of learning new skills that I hadn't known I needed. Yeah. I didn't know I needed. Um, then I was glad that I made the transition. I was also glad that I made the transition because it really did reduce our stress and increase clarity about what, what was going on with this group of tasks we were calling our business. Hmm. Okay. That's hmm. probably the first thing. Yeah. Um, the next thing that changed was um, really my husband and I's relationship relating to accountability. Hmm. And what I mean by that is instead of having these tasks that we had both lived in for five or seven years, knowing like, oh, yeah, someone needs to make sure all the linens are washed. Yeah. Someone needs to order the trash bags. It was suddenly, you know, we were putting the tasks underneath certain people's names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it it really reduced conversation at first because I didn't have to ask him like, oh yeah, did you do that? Did you do that yet? Am I going to do that? Did you do that? Like we just already knew. Yeah. But right now it's actually increasing conversation because we're getting into a deeper level of, okay, we have these current roles. Like, do we want them? Yeah. Which ones of these do we want? Which ones do we do? So this is where it becomes, it's almost like we went through the CPR phase yeah. or the emergency room phase. <laughs> yeah. And now we're like, okay, everything's running. So now we can really have some choices. Yeah. Um, and then I'll probably just say one more change that it led to. Uh, in EOS, one of the six parts is um, called the vision and the worksheet that corresponds to that is called the vision traction organizer. Okay. Which sounds, you know, kind of convoluted. But the idea is basically there's two pieces of paper. On the top piece of paper, you're answering eight questions about where you want your business to be. Yeah. 10, three, and one years away. Okay. And so, and then the bottom piece of paper is kind of like now make a roadmap to get to those goals. Yeah. And so when we took the time quarterly and annually, annually we edit the VTO as it's called and quarterly we revisit it to yeah. make sure that we're in alignment with it. Um, it, it helped firm up really for my husband and I, but then also added clarity for everybody else working with us, like where we're rowing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Why we're rowing. So instead of just being like, oh, we might want to manage 50 structures or we might want to manage a hundred structures. Like instead of that being so nebulous, it made us have a conversation that said, well, we want to go to 50 yeah. and this geographic area and not more because of this and not less because of this. Like yeah. this is, a, it made you think like this is a reasonable goal that fits with all of our other goals. Yeah. Rather than just kind of like being on a treadmill because there's a treadmill that you accidentally made. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or on purpose made. But, um, <laughs> but no, yeah. But the awareness that you can get off of the treadmill or jog or walk or sprint, I think are all very important questions that are very um, hard to give genuine time to discussing yeah um yeah. unless you decide to do so yeah but i mean uh, like talk about uh, I, this is this is all just so good amy but like talk about uh the the importance right of like hey if you want to get like vision right takes time to craft right and vision vision is always sort of evolving right like meaning 
maybe maybe you thought 10 years ago that the vision was to get to you know 10 structures and that that's you know that would work like your husband would do that you'd you'd do something else or, or whatever it might be right so vision vision can and should evolve but i but i do think mm-hmm. right being being incredibly clear about like the trajectory especially especially when you're working with anyone outside of yourself like if it's just you right you can probably be forgiving of yourself and change things and and change your mind and adapt and whatnot but the minute you get even one other person into the mix right we we all need different things, but it, but that at the end of the day, the most successful organizations in the world have a very clear mission and vision, right? Like, and, and the leadership, right, is aligned in that mission and vision, and they're the ones that have to constantly communicate the mission and vision to any other you know stakeholders. And and if you if you're not in the right headspace, and or if you don't have the time to effectively continue to communicate that mission and vision, that's that's where things can go can go awry. So talk about like just. Really talk about like you you guys doing the work right. You need mm-hmm. to to be better entrepreneurs, to be better leaders, uh, to to your respective teams. So this is this is all great. Um. So in terms of in terms of this this moment where you you all realize, hey, this is the trajectory that we want to head on. Where where are we at in terms of like that trajectory? Uh, what what were, was it? Was it up? Was it fifty structures? Was that sort of like the goal? And what what can you tell us about sort of the the vision for where Red River Gorgeous is is trying to go? Yeah, no, that those are those are those are fun, interesting questions. I don't have answers to all those. Good, which that- speaks to what <laughs> an alive process it is that you're touching on, which is which is good. That's the that's the point. Um, so when when my husband and I first started working together on the business, like I mentioned, there were four or five structures. Um, it was at about and sorry, Amy, 10 what, or twelve structures. What were these structures? Were they were they cabins? Oh, yeah. Like sure. what what kind of structure were they? Sure. Yep. Um, when we first started working together, there were essentially uh, four old cabins that needed renovated. Okay. Okay. So they were they were four log cabins built in the nineties that were kind of clinging on to rentable, okay. rentable status. Um, and they, yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, uh, and then what we started building together were off-grid cabins. Um, I remember we, we rented the first one for $69 a night. We were like, oh my God, we're onto something. Um, because we didn't know yeah. if anybody would be interested in a cabin that they had to hike to that didn't have water and electricity. Yeah. But they were, which was great. Um, cause we think that that's a, a wonderful experience. Um, so when we, when we found that there was an interest for off grid structures and we liked building those, we built more cabins, probably about five more off grid structures. They did have a little bit of solar power, but mostly off grid. And then, um, a friend of ours, uh, Django Croner, he's super passionate about tree houses okay. and uh, was also very open to, you know, a mix of on and off grid structures. So then we, you know, we've essentially, we're not the same business. Canopy okay. Crew is his business and Red River Gorgeous is our business, but I would very strongly describe us as sister businesses Okay, where we, uh, Django and I speak several times a week. He's absolutely like a mentor and friend to me. And we've, we've discussed merging businesses, but I, I, I agree with where we're at now, which is that we work together, but remain having our own focuses. Yeah. Um, 
and I don't want to belabor this point too much, but I, I do think that it's, it can be scary to be like, oh, I'm going to open up and talk to another business owner about what I'm doing and what I'm good and not good at. Yeah. But in my experience, I am so thankful that Django and Aaron, my husband and I all work together and that I don't have fears of saying, you know what, Django, I hired this person. It's not going well. Can I tell you what's going on? And yeah. Django's like, oh yeah, I let me <laughs> give you a few ideas. So, you know, so it's actually good that we're not exactly in the same business, but yeah. we're next to each other yeah. and we're, um, you know, we're working together. So that would have been around like structure 13. We started adding tree houses. They were at a much higher nightly rental rate and they're still small structures. So what that did is um, it showed us that while the off-grid model works and we raised rental rates from about $70 a night to around $130 to $170, a little higher on holidays for our off-grid cabins now. So, you know, they're not at $69, but they're nothing near the nightly rental rates that the tree houses are, which, um, you know, I have last minute discount pricing that brings the tree houses down to the hundred dollar range. But most of the time, the tree houses and the cliff houses rent from um, really two hundred to twelve hundred dollars a night in October was our la- was our peak rental rate last year, which twelve hundred dollars a night. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's amazing. Who's paying for that? Because I, I can't, um, but, you know, and it's only two nights a year. So two nights a year, that's what we get. The rest of the time, we're somewhere in between. Yeah. But the point that one of the biggest points about that is that. When we found this new part of our business that matched our core values, which include joyfully active, um, preserving and inviting people into outdoor spaces to increase their imagination, things like that. Yeah. We found this new part of our business model, the tree houses, that were, I'm sure there's fancy business words for this, but basically it made more money than the rest of the stuff we were doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, But what was important for us to recognize and a growth uh, pain that we had is that the staff for cleaning and keeping the tree houses up and going, we require really athletic cleaners to do that because Mm. um, we have to carry the linens up. We carry up sometimes jugs of water, which are 48 pounds. Um, And when I say up, it's like up like eight flights of stairs. Yeah. Yeah. um, it, It really was a challenge for me as general manager to figure out, okay, guys, great. These tree houses are making a bunch of money. How am I going to hire yeah. staff yeah. to clean these? So I really kind of had to change how I was, um, again, the job descriptions and where I looked for folks to hire and how I communicated with the staff. Um, and then to get back to maybe the original question here, which was more about um, vision and focus and planning. Um when, when we were at that like 12 structure level where I said the stress started putting the squeeze on us to either organize or die is what it felt like. Um, <laughs> we, we hadn't even really, to be honest, we hadn't even really said to ourselves, let's get to 12 structures. Yeah. We were just like, this is great. Grandpa lent us $20,000. We can build another backcountry shelter. Yeah. <laughs> um, when, when we formalized enough to like get W-2s instead of 1099 subcontractors, things like that. That's really when I started getting more thoughtful about, oh, okay, this is a business. This has growth potential. How much money do I want to make? When should I take money out of the business? Yeah. What do I, what do I want? How many hours a week do I want? 
And oh yeah, we have two now, three kids. What is our intention? Why did we have them? <laughs> what are <laughs> what are we doing with them? Um, and and really, even uh, I, I would say this is like a little bit of a cautionary note in here is that. Um, so see, we've been married 13 years now and our youngest is four. And it was literally last month when my husband and I were talking about something else and we both said out loud, like, oh, oops, we never intended to have a two parent working family, hmm. but we have a two parent working family. And that's probably some of the problems that we're having. Hmm. So it's, it's, I am so thankful that I, much of my life has lived been lived outside of the um, nine to five yeah. working for someone else box. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I think that there are dangers of being outside of the box because some of the questions that I don't know how to say this exactly, like society has already thought through like, Oh, if I go get a second job in my family, there'll be two people with jobs. Yeah. But because we were just in the pond of work, yeah, you know, like, swimming creatively sometimes other times just happy to be um you know <laughs> keeping our heads above water we did you know we didn't really ever say to ourselves like oh oh wait wait a second what are we doing so yeah. building those in earlier would have been better so yeah. that maybe is a cautionary note which is which is so important and I, i'm so glad you brought this up because you know there are a lot of people who are probably listening to this this show right now who they they might even have you know both both them and their partner they might have children right work, working full time um in in a traditional nine to five and they're they're like moonlighting that their side hustle is like the hospitality business that, that that they're trying to build right and I think everything that you're saying is probably like really resonating with folks Amy because these are these these are sort of like the questions right the questions mm -hmm. to ask yourself and like it, it's okay to have the answers to those questions change depending on like your season of life and then where things are at but um i think it's it's super important just to to recognize that you don't have to have answers to all the questions but you have to ask the questions like if you're not asking the questions especially if you've got a partner let alone like children in the mix right if you don't if you don't make time to act, at least ask the question and make it okay to ask the ask the question i think that that's where things can go awry right um and so i it's super super cool that you that you've shared that um and and i just appreciate your your you know transparency and, and vulnerability there Hey guys, it's Zach. If you're enjoying this episode, could you do me two very quick favors? First, this show is possible thanks to a handful of incredible organizations who've signed on to be advertising partners of Behind the Stays. It would mean the world to me if you'd take just a second to scroll down to the show notes and go learn more about this episode's sponsor. Even if you aren't in the market for agency support or a new PMS at the moment, it never hurts to be aware of who else is out there. And second, if you're listening to this episode on Spotify, could you be so kind as to give Behind the Stays a five-star rating? And if you're on Apple Podcasts, could you submit a quick review and let me know what you love most about the show? I know it seems trivial, but these things really, really do help us grow the show. And just a reminder that if you've ever got feedback from me on how to make the show better, shoot me an email directly at Zach, that's Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com. You all really are the best. I love receiving your emails and DMs. All right, so check out the sponsor and leave us a rating and a review, please. All right, guys, back to the show. I, I do, I do want to ask a little bit about, you know, as you guys have have thought about growth, it, it seems right. You, you've talked about these crazy unique structures, and again, 
the reason I found you was through Instagram and seeing these like influencers post about these like ridiculous, you know, cliff houses. I'm like, how does, how did Ethan Abbott's like get up there? Like, it, it's just so it's, I mean, it's stunning, right? Cause it's just jarring. It's, it's so unique. Right. So how have you guys like thought about your, your marketing strategy and like was, was, was leveraging creators and influencers always something that you had planned to do like did you know that that would have to be a part of your mix because of how unique your spaces were or like talk to us a little bit about sort of how you've thought about the marketing and the promotion of these spaces yeah great great question um we didn't think about the (laughs) i i didn't think about the marketing okay um I, let's see, again, it kind of feels like there's like kind of three phases that our business has been in from, you know, four to 12 structures. We were just building and enjoying ourselves Yeah. at 12 structures. The squeeze made us formalize. And at that point, to be honest, we still weren't actively, um, we didn't have our mind on marketing very much. Okay. It felt more like, oh, we need to clean up our website because this doesn't look good. And we need to um, improve our ability to answer all the telephone calls because this is not good to have people call and us not answer. Um, (laughs) So wait, so sorry, actually, sorry, Amy, sorry, sorry to cut you off here, but I guess this is, this is a question I should have asked before. Like where were your bookings coming from? Like how were people even finding out about you guys? Mm -hmm. Good question. Um, Where were the bookings coming from? I think that probably Google searching for Red River Gorge, okay. because we had been around since 94, Yeah, we did have a lot of repeat guests okay. that were, you know, like people, I mean, we still have people who have been coming for 10, 12 years yeah, to yeah, White yeah. Pines Cabin every June. Um, because the structures are very photogenic, yeah. I do think that they have lent themselves to, I don't want to say naturally doing well on Instagram and social media, but um, I do think that's true. I think that we, honestly, we didn't hire a marketer or a social media manager until last year. Okay. Yeah. Um, And I, I don't know. I'm going to be completely open and honest here. I don't think that, I don't think marketing is good for society. (laughs) I don't think that um, convincing, having an industry that convinces people to purchase things is um, good or necessary. But what I do like is for people to get information about what else is going on in the world. And then if they're interested in that, have the contact information for the person, place, thing that they're finding interesting. Yeah, very well said. Yeah. So um, there was one time when this is an an observation I'd like to share. Um, let me think. I was pregnant with Tegan. So that would have been about six years ago. Okay. Um, six years ago, Canopy Crew and Animal Planet had a, I don't know what the contract would have been called. It was for a pilot. They were doing a pilot show about us building the observatory treehouse with Canopy Crew. Okay. So Animal Planet came, filmed several episodes, had a pilot. Um, they decided not to take the pilot forward into a series. But what I noticed when we were at the, um, they had a party for the for the pilot. But um, when when I was watching people watch the pilot, yeah. I was thinking to myself, like, wait a second, the seven or eight of us, I was one of the carpenters on that job, the seven or eight of us like building, I was like, I think only maybe one of us owns a TV. Huh. 
And and I was like, okay, so we're, you know, and I'm like, this is kind of interesting that like the people watching the show about building the tree houses are watching it on TV, but none of the people actually building the treehouse have a TV. And I was like, that's kind of interesting. So I think that my focus has really been on like, I want to do what I want to do. Yeah. For the reasons that I have, which for me, um, focus on being outside, being aware of nature, um, sparking people's imagination, my own creativity or imagination, my sense of freedom and self of getting, you know, kind of woo woo words. But what I mean is like, yeah, I've cared more about doing stuff that I like doing and want to share with other people than I have spent time thinking how do i sell this to people yeah but amy I, but amy that, that I that's, do now th- that's why yeah. it works like yeah, i mean honestly it, it, it that's why it works right it's like you yeah. you are uh your your full self is in your craft your full self is in your committed to your vision you've been able to bring other people into that vision and you're so bullish on that i mean this is like this is the best the best creators the best entrepreneurs of the world like they care so much about what they're doing and what they're building, and they could care less, quite frankly, what other people think about it. But it tends to be that those folks that are so bullish and so focused, everyone else wants to think about it and talk about it and come stay because there is something that's so pure about the art, quite frankly. And I think that that's, that's why it works. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, um, it, and, and it does lend itself to good marketing material. You yeah. know, like, so now we, we, you know, so now we have, um, we were, we hire a social media manager who, um, helps post on all of the things. Um, and we have a, a second kind of a, a little bit of a larger company who helps make, um, a little bit fancier content for us. And the main reason that I personally, different yeah. people in my organization, Canopy Crew and River Gorgeous have different opinions, but yep. if I'm just speaking for myself right now, the reason that I felt comfortable beginning to include marketing mm-hmm. in our organization is because I realized that at this point we have about 30 structures okay. and they are not as occupied. Their, their occupancy percent could be higher. Yep. And I would rather infill my business more by filling in more nights than I would, to be completely honest, build more structures. Yep. Because I would like the preservation intent of our core focus Mm -hmm. which is to help preserve the red river gorge i want to make sure that we're doing that and so i want our business to make more money by renting the structures we've already built we've already cut down trees and moved drywall from who knows where ohio to here you know to build the structures yeah and so i would like the business to make more money at the size now we are going to add more structures. They're already mapped out. We're going to build them yeah. uh, or other folks will build them. And they're going to be great. They're going to be awesome. They're going to be creative and I'm excited for them. But I didn't feel like I needed to keep fueling the workhorse to get bigger. Mm. I wanted to fill up the belly of what we already have Yeah. and use that money to you know, essentially buy land and not build on it. Yeah. Um, because, oh gosh, this is going to get into capitalism. Basically because <laughs> I think that it's right. It's important to know. It's important not to just be on an ever ex- for me. Yeah. For me, it's important to not just be on an ever expanding path because I know how to, and I have to quote Jim Collins, like a flywheel that he's a, a business author that I yep. highly recommend everybody read. Uh, but you know, now that my flywheel is going, 
I don't want my flywheel to just go into infinity. Yeah. Um, I want my flywheel to go where I want it to go. And um, it doesn't have to be bigger. Yeah. So it's kind of like by marketing, I can make the size of business that we already have do more. Yeah. And I think that that impacts the environment less, like the physical planet that we're on less than me expanding the size of my business and having lower occupancy. Yes, a hundred percent. And I mean, and also just to piggyback on that, you know, you have this very, this very pure and, and very, you know, attractive, uh, grander mission to what you're doing. And if you want, you know, to, if you don't market, right, the, you pretty much run the risk of like always attracting a, a local crowd. Like, like unless, unless somebody who's in the area calls me in DC and really tells me, Zach, you really have to come all the way, you know, this is what you got to plan your vacation around. Chances of me like finding it are, are just so, so slim, right? Quite frankly. So you're, you're going to have the same, again, there's nothing wrong with that, but the same, you know, the clientele coming, coming year after year after year. And that's great, right? But if your if your mission is really to help expose people to these off grid experiences, help people increase their imagination. I mean, th- these are things that people, regardless of where they are physically located, everyone needs this, right? Mm-hmm. And hey, there are a lot of people in other parts of the country, let alone the world, that might that might actually really need it because they're you know stuck in you know downtown D.C. or Manhattan in in New York City, whatever it might be, and. What, what's so interesting about the the marketing component and I think why why it is quite important is like if you're serious about this mission like this mission is something that everyone needs to hear that everyone needs to be able to participate in and not everyone will care and that's okay but without telling them that this place exists how the heck are they supposed to become familiar with your mission right like it, it's it's quite it's quite impossible and so you know for, for whatever it's worth, I think people like you who are doing these really great things, who are committed to something bigger than just, you know, making money, you, you all need to market the most, quite frankly, so that other people can come in to this reality and and learn from from what you've done and 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 what your what your outlook and perspective are. Yeah, that's um I I I, I value and thank you for saying those things. That's that's um I I very much like that perspective also. Last minute cancellations suck. And that's why we built Ping. Ping makes it easy for guests to be notified when their favorite Airbnbs become available. Ping is a simple widget that lives on your website or your direct booking site and allows your fans and followers to sign up and be notified if their preferred dates become available. Here's how it works. Jimmy sees that you're booked the whole month of October, but he wants to be notified if any three night window in the month becomes available. Jen is a returning guest and she wants to be notified if any week in June, July, or August becomes available. In a matter of seconds, Jimmy and Jen fill out the simple form and they will be pinged if the requested dates become available. And as a host, you will immediately get pinged via email with Jimmy and Jen's contact information and requested dates, which enables you to build up your own database of guest email addresses. Ping is what the best Airbnb hosts use to maximize bookings. You can get access to our beta pricing with plans that start at just $39 a year at bnbping.com. Again, that's bnbping.com. What did, did you have an intentional creator and influencer strategy or like did did you guys mm. just start getting people reaching out saying, "Hey, can I come stay here?" Like like what what's the story there? P- largely people reach out. Okay. Um, people reach out. I will say that, um, Django Kroner and then another business partner of ours, Derek Nafziger, um, they, I believe have 
you know, reached out and invited some folks, but yeah. the large majority who come ask us. Yeah. Um, and um, and we're glad to have them. So, yeah, if there are influencers listening and you'd like to come and check out a cliff house, we're, um, you know, we're glad to, to share it with you. And, um, you know, and re- really thank you to the influencers for everyone who goes up there. Um, or in any of the structures, anyone who visits, I always like looking at their pictures because they're showing me something that I don't see from my own perspective, hmm. right? Like the steamy cup of coffee in the morning. Like, well, I'm not at the cliff houses to have a steamy cup of coffee in the morning. I'm changing the diapers, right? Yeah. <laughs> like not at the cliff house. So, so I enjoy seeing the, con- that's, that is one thing that when, when we started having the influencers and the marketing managers and stuff like that participate. I was like, oh my gosh, thank you for helping me re-see hmm. my own project wow. from your perspective. Like, thank you, because wow. I was kind of worried about some other stuff over here. Yeah. Like, do we have enough trash bags? <laughs> to, you know? <laughs> no, I'm worried about those things. And so thank you for helping me um, see how I'm doing on my vision. Like, yeah. do I think from your photos and videos and reels, like, when you go there, like, oh, you did feel inspired. You yeah. did feel a sense of imagination. It did make you kind of look at that rock and think about geologic time scale differently. Like, how is this tiny building hanging off of this big rock? How, yeah. did, how did people build that there? How do human ants do that to a big old thing? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I like I, I, I really, um, you know, personally appreciate the content that they're generating because, um, you know, it's different to be behind the scenes than the guest. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that that's such a refreshing perspective. I have a couple of final questions for you. One is just around sort of like the this this next chapter. So it sounds like you guys are wrestling with a lot. Uh you've got, you know, business partners, you guys are 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 growing. You've got some you know stays that have already been mapped out that are, you're you're working on those builds coming up. But like what do what do the next sort of like two to three years look like for Red River Gorgeous? Yeah, that's a great question. Um the I'll just name a few of the largest puzzle pieces that we're putting together. Okay. Um, and and you know, the overall roadmap. The the overall roadmap right now is to really focus on increasing quality and guest services. Yeah. Um, we don't want to be dropping any balls. Where can we improve how we're following our guests through their stay? Yeah. Um, we know that we want to grow our business to the size at which we can keep including our sister company, Canopy Crew, and then Derek Nafziger's company, Red River Roost. Um, we work with them. And so while my husband and, and I- Sorry, sorry, moment, Amy, Amy, on that front, when you when you talk about working with them, like what exactly, if you don't mind sharing, like what exactly does that mean? Sure, sure. Uh, what it means right now is that we take care of property management services for Canopy Crew. Okay. Okay. And we consult and support their construction process of the tree houses. Got it. And for Red River Roost, um, they are also involved in the tree houses with Canopy Crew. So they're kind of in that mix. Yep. And then um, Derek and their family also have cabins and very unique, beautiful structures. And Derek and I, um, we're kind of business friends in so much that I probably have more operational background than he does. Okay. And he has more business MBA kind of background than I yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's like, you know, all three businesses are participating and communicating, um, but very much have, you know, separate rentals and, sure. um, 
you know, income streams and things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So what, what we want to do, my husband and I, because of the ages of our kids, we're not physically building any more structures at the moment for Red River Gorges proper. Yep. But we know that we want operationally to improve and to grow enough that we can take on additional properties from our sister businesses as we're asked to. So that is our growth path for like the next three, three years. Um, two, two additional pieces of this right now, which I'll mention because they might come up for other listeners is, um, one is that I want to do a really rock solid job of onboarding our first general manager. Yeah. So that means that internally I've been like getting the dust bunnies out of my Google drive and I've been (laughs) following EOS's suggestions to organize my business and, you know, hand it over to someone else as, um, or really, you know, it's kind of handing over. It's also kind of like including a new big person in a big way. Yeah. Um, I think about it both ways because I don't think that, you know, my husband and I are going to fly the coop. We just need another really involved um, person. A hundred percent. Yeah. So, um, so doing a good job onboarding the GM. And then the last piece that I'll mention is um, we're at a crossroads right now. We've given ourselves two months to decide if we would like to continue having a construction component to our business yeah, or if we're going to say that what we want is to just have a maintenance department. Yeah. Um, and uh, we're giving ourselves two months of discernment, but it really will affect the trajectory of, um, you know, the structure of the business. Yeah. So we're yeah. figuring that out. Yeah. Very, I mean, honestly, these are all very, very exciting, uh, and, and big decisions. Uh, but, but very, very cool that you guys are, you guys are wrestling with all the things that you should be wrestling with. I mean, this is, this is great. This is, this is super, super exciting stuff. And I love that you guys are working so closely with Canopy Crew and, and these other local businesses, because I do think that that doesn't happen enough. Like there's not enough collaboration, especially when you're doing something that's somewhat similar in a similar market. I think there, there's, you know, just, your temptation is to think about the other as, as the enemy, right. Or as the competitor or whatever it is. And it's like, Hey, actually, like you might actually discover as you connect that they've got strengths that you don't have and vice versa. And so I do think that there, there can and should be way more collaboration in, in the space, especially when it comes to developing unique structures in, in unique markets. Yeah. Yeah. I will, I will mention that for me, I appreciated the, um, um, I don't know the the sense of well being and calmness that came over me when I asked them to sign mutual non disclosure agreements. Ah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I I did take that formal step where I thought, you know what? I think that I just want an added layer of security. Yeah. Um, and so we we signed mutual uh, non disclosure agreements, and um, yeah, for me, I was just it kind of solidified like we're on different teams. But we're we're gonna share openly and um, drop fear in 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 an effort to uh, share. Yeah, yeah, and, and move forward like with with um like abundance and um you know a conglomeration of ideas rather than um, being fearful that there won't be enough for any of us. Like actually, we all have more, and we have um, you know better ideas and better relationships. <laughs> Uh, sharing. So, yeah, yeah. So I just had to. I had to get over that. Like, oh no, they're gonna know. Like, whether or not I made money, and they're gonna know <laughs> that I had to issue a refund, and like, you know, whatever things are kind of embarrassing. It's like, it's like, well, no. If you just like let that fear go, then it's like it just it puts me in a position to be more open and honest about what's going well and yeah. not going well, and yeah. focus on my improvements, the possibility for improvements, yeah. 
more than feeling like I made a mistake and I'm not going to have a business anymore. Yeah. I, I really think that a key part of having a business, people ask me, it's like, well, how, how did you make your business? Like, how, what, how did you do this? And I was like, you know, I don't really know. But I think the biggest thing is that whenever we did something wrong, we didn't stop. Hmm. We were mm, like, oh, yeah. man, we lost $800 because we left the washing machine and the thing and it blew up. And now we have to get a new well pump. Like, OK, <laughs> we lost $800. Oh, but now we know not to do that to the washing machine before yeah. we have a vacation. So it's just like it's like an accumulation of forgivenesses and moving ons rather than like, oh, I can't do this. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, you you wouldn't want to do that again. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you can't do that again eight times and still have a business. But if you do it once or twice and learn how to not do it, like then you can have a business and it doesn't have to be a business. For me, it's also like an organization, a project, yeah. a child, yep. a dog, yeah. right? Like any of the things that I'm cultivating relationships with and want growth on. For me, it's more about taking in information, modifying my my doings or my believings and then like just kind of roll on with it some more, not getting locked up in a mistake. Well, Amy, if... If uh, Red River Gorgeous ever goes south or if you just decide you've, you've had it, right, you could just do motivational speaking and like consulting in this space because I, I, I'm just leaving this conversation like pumped and inspired and like reinvigorated. And I know that lots of our listeners uh, are as well. And so I just I want to just thank you for your time and for, for your vulnerability and for your your transparency. It's it's just it's so refreshing. Um, and, and I really do think you could you could start a consulting arm of this whole <laughs> if, of this whole uh, business if, if you so desired, because I, I do think you have the you've got the right chops for it. And uh, you've got the right story and the right experience. So I just want to thank you for your time. Thanks so much for uh, carving out uh, an hour of, of your life to come be with us. If folks do want to learn a little bit more about you and, and what you're up to and, and want to connect, we'll have your Instagram link below and your website link below. But is there anywhere else that you'd want folks to reach out if they're interested in connecting? I would just invite them to come in person. There the you go. Come in person. Come in person. <laughs> yes. The gorge is beautiful. And um, and thank you for those kind words about um, business consulting or motivational speaking. Um, I, I have actually wondered if that's you know where my heart is more than in a specific uh, business yeah home I, so thank you for you know that i i appreciate spending time with you and thank you for helping me reflect more on you know where i am and where i've been through the process so thank you of course thank you so much for your time amy thank you Hey friends, hope you've enjoyed today's show. If you are an Airbnb host or know an Airbnb host who'd like to come on the show, please send me an email at Zach, Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com and we will chat. Behind the Stays is brought to you each week by Spontaneous, a carefully curated weekly newsletter that brings you the best last minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. It's sort of like Scott's cheap flights, but for Airbnb. You can sign up once again for free at spontaneous.com. Last but certainly not least, I didn't believe in Marie Kondo's whole spark joy mantra until I started podcasting. Now, my joy is sparked every time I see a new subscriber roll in. So please hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode and so you add a little spark to my joy fire today. Okay, that was kind of weird, but um, we're going to roll with it. Subscribe, um, and thanks in advance. All right, everyone, see you next time.